Well, welcome to the Harvest Baptist Church podcast. We're so glad you guys could join us back again today. I hope you have your Bibles ready. Go ahead and open it up to Daniel chapter 1 as our pastor concludes this three-week sermon on the book of Daniel, Standing in a Fallen World. We're going to be in uh, Daniel chapter 1. Uh, this is the third sermon on this, and I, I hope it's the last one today. I'm, I'm pre, I'm, on Sunday, I hope it's the last one. We're teaching through Daniel on Wednesday nights, by the way, so um, we're going to get into the prophecy aspect of Daniel. But this Sunday, as we are talking about standing in a fallen world, Daniel was a teenage boy, and he was taken from his homeland, his country, Israel, and he was taken over to Babylon, which is modern-day Iraq, by King of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar. And he was, along with four of his best friends and about 75 or 80 other Hebrew boys and girls, trained to be a Babylonian. It was, a, it was brainwashing. It was, it was cultural transformation. And uh, so they're in the king's house, and the king says, we're going to train these people to serve in the king's court in the future. It was a three-year term. We've talked about all that. But let's look at verse 3 of Daniel 1. Then the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, his servants, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles from Israel. Young men in whom there was no blemish, good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge, quick to understand, sharp, intelligent young men. They had, and they were going to put them in the king's palace whom they might teach the language and the literature of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's meat. That word meat there in the King James means delicacies. And of the wine which the king himself drank. And three years of training. It was a three-year course for them. And at the end of that three years, they would serve before the king of Babylon. Now among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And to them the chief of the eunuchs gave the names. Daniel he gave Belshazzar, Hananiah he named Shadrach, Mishael he named Meshach, and Azariah he named Abednego. But, verse uh, 8, but Daniel. If you mark in your Bible, circle but Daniel. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the king's meat or with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested it of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. I don't want to eat this food. Now God, if you mark your Bibles, circle, now God had brought Daniel into the favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. Now, I'm going to review real quickly. This is a conflict that has been going on since time began. It started in the Garden of Eden, Babylon versus Jerusalem. Babylon is the secular city. Babylon is the city of man. Babylon is the city opposing God. Jerusalem represents the city of God. It, it represents God and God's kingdom and God's plan and God's will. The Expositor's Bible Commentary says symbolically Babylon does not represent a physical location but the practice and philosophy which originated in Babylon and spread throughout the world, and it is still going on. The philosophy of Babylon, it, what it is then, it is today. It is anti-God. It is anti-Bible. It is unbiblical. That is the Babylonian philosophy. And there was combat in this culture. While I was away this week, I was, I was reading actually a history book, and, and it was I found it so fascinating. And, and I... 
if you're a buff of history, American history, I would say for you to go read on the roaring 20s in this country, the flappers, prohibition, speakeasies. It was glamorized by Elliot Ness, the untouchables. But go read about that history of America. It, it is amazing. It is exactly like it is today. It is exactly. And the reason I'm reading it, because I wanted to see what the church did in the Roaring Twenties, how the church responded to that culture. Because whatever the church did, it worked. Because that brought us into the 50s, and the, and the 50s was a, a period of, of revival, really. So I, I'm studying methodology there. But I, I challenge you, just go read about the Roaring Twenties, and you'll be amazed at the the significance and the similarities and the parallels it has with our culture today and what is going on. But the purpose of the Babylonians was to re-educate and retrain these young men so they could one day place them in the service uh, of Babylon and probably send them back to Jerusalem. And we talked about how Hitler did it. We talked about the Humanist Manifesto. Last week, we spent a whole sermon on the language of the Chaldeans. We talked about what tolerance means today, what it meant in past generations, and what it means today. We talked about moral judgment. We talked about personal preference. We talked about truth. And truth today does not mean something that's absolute. It means whatever is right for you, whatever benefits you is truth. And in this culture today, the, the meaning of truth and what truth is can change from day to day depending on what's better for you. That that just, some of us, that blows our mind, but it is actually how this world defines and practices and lives with truth. So they change their language. They use the same vocabulary, but they didn't use the same dictionary. And I read to you a theologian who, Borg was his last name, from Oregon State University. He died in January how he preached the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but he didn't believe Jesus raised from the dead. He said the bones of Jesus Christ are in an unmarked grave in Palestine, but the philosophy of Jesus marches on. That's resurrection. So it, it is today. It, it is ongoing. And they taught, they, they sought to change their language. They changed the way, they wanted to change the way they talked. They taught them the language. And, and some of it did have to do with actually learning the language. I understand that. But philosophically, there was more to it than what was on the surface. And they thought, why? Because they thought to change their thinking. They taught them the language and the literature of the Chaldeans. What is a literature? What is literature? It, it's books. It might be an e-book to you or whatever, but it's a book. To me, it's something I can hold in my hand and open. I'm old-fashioned that way. And But it is books. It is the textbook. It is what they learned. It is what it, they taught them. It is an educational process. And look, listen to me. If, if they can change your language, they will change your thinking. For if tolerance means to you a certain thing, if truth means to you a certain thing, it reflects the way you think. They thought they sought to change the thinking, they, the way they taught these young people. And they taught them the wrong worldview. They taught them a secular philosophy. They taught them a pagan philosophy. And why? Then they start to change their lifestyle. Now, how? How? Where does that come in? It, the kings meet. Four things. I was. I was on that. They changed their language. They. They changed their literature. They changed. They re-educated them. Then, 
They wanted to change their lifestyle. how they do that? They changed the food they ate. And then the last thing they did is they changed their names. Now, this food thing, this food thing, it, it entails more than food. It, it was a lifestyle that they lived. Now, one writer wrote about this. When they gave him the king's food and drink, it was not simply food and drink. It referenced their obedience to God's word, their worship, and the social perversion that went along with food in this culture. We'll take three things. One, their obedience to God's word. These Jews, they, there is the ceremonial law, there's a moral law. You and I don't practice the ceremonial law, but the Jews did. And the ceremonial law had to do with their diet, kosher. And Daniel and these three Hebrew children had been taught from God's word what to eat, what not to eat. And now they're brought into Babylon, and if they eat the king's meat, it is going to be a direct violation to what the Bible says they can eat and cannot eat. They would be violating God's word if they ate this food. So that was the first thing they had against it. We cannot violate God's word. God's word tells us not to eat this. Now you telling us to eat it. But it violated their worship. You see, this was a pagan culture. This was a, 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 a polytheistic culture. It had many gods. Baal, Molech, Ra, they, they worshiped everything and everybody. But listen, the king's food, the king was the, the king, was the, the king. he was the political head, but he was also the religious leader. Same thing in Rome. And this food that the king ate had already been sacrificed and offered to the Babylonian gods. And so by eating this food, they're not only violating what scripture tells them, but they are, it is changing their worship. They, if they eat this food, they are acknowledging that the, these other gods are real and valid. The third thing it does, it changes the social, it involves social perversion that went along with food. That has always been a part of the pagan culture. If you ever watch old movies, you'll know that in, in, in Rome, when they had a banquet, it was perverse. They brought in prostitutes, male and female. You go over to John the Baptist, when he was in prison, Herod and Herod's wife, Herodias, wanted John the Baptist's head cut off, but her husband Herod wouldn't because he's afraid of the people. What'd she do? Herod had a banquet and everybody got drunk. And she sent her daughter in there to do a lewd dance. And he burned with lust for her. And he said, I'll give you anything you want. And what'd she say? What'd she want? John the Baptist's head. You go over to Daniel chapter five and they have the same kind of banquet when there's handwriting on the wall. Look, this, this thing of food is more than just eating a pork chop and drinking a Pepsi. It was their lifestyle. It was their lifestyle. And why? Because the bottom line was they wanted to change their loyalty. 
These kids had been grown, brought up, and, and on this side of the platform, it represents Jerusalem. It represents God. It represents God's word. It represents God's plan. It represents God's way. And these three Hebrews and these other children, they had been brought up in Israel. They had been taught. And, and on Wednesday night, we studied. They had, when they, they were boys, there had been a great revival in Israel. And they knew God, and they honored God, and they loved God. And they were teenage boys, but they were godly young men. And by the way, it's never too early for your children to be godly young men and godly young women. In fact, let me tell you something. If your kids, by the time they're 13 and 14, aren't godly young men and godly young women, you about missed the boat there. See, you want them to have everything the world has. You want them to have everything Babylon has. You want them to have all the good stuff. You want them to do everything. Like, you want them to be like Babylon, look like Babylon, act like Babylon. And then you think that someone when they're 21, they're going to turn it around. Good luck with that. These, let me tell you something. These kids were 14 and 15 years old, and they were already citizens of Jerusalem because somebody had taught them right and expected them to live right. They lived right. They acted right. They ate right. They did right. And then they throw them into Babylon, and they want to change their loyalty. They want to change their loyalty. And I want to tell you something, the whole point of Babylon, the whole purpose of Babylon is to change the loyalty of our children and our grandchildren. Everything in Babylon is against everything in Jerusalem. And over in Babylon, you can believe anything you want to believe. You can act any way you want to act. But bless God, you better not be Jesus. You better not say God. Everybody's okay in Babylon except Bible-believing Christians. And that's the problem we're having here. Daniel had it. We got it today. You're sending, you're sending your kids to school. What are they teaching them? They teach them, and in the beginning, God created heaven and earth? Nope. Because in Babylon, they don't believe that. In Babylon, they believe, the humanist manifesto, that the earth is not created. It's on its own. So what do you do? How did, it is interesting how Daniel and these three Hebrew, other Hebrew children that were his compatriots in this, they stood with him. Evidently, most of them didn't stand. It is interesting what they did and what they didn't do. First of all, they did not stand up and cuss the culture. They didn't get up and say, this is evil, this is heathen. You know what they did? They went along where they could go along. We, they said, we want to teach you the language and the literature of the Chaldeans. They didn't say a word. We don't want to go to that school. We, we don't want to go to public school. They went. Teach us what you want to teach us. They went along with it. They, they, they were educated. They changed their names. They changed their names. Daniel's name, his, his mother over here in Jerusalem, when he was born, she gave him the name of Daniel. You know what the, the name Daniel means? It means God is my judge. It means God, it, it, it's a lot of things. God's going to judge me. I got to watch what I do because God's going to judge me. I better, wait, I, better, I better consider how I live because God's going to judge me. Also, Nebuchadnezzar's not going to judge me. God's going to judge me. 
So what did they do? Daniel, your name that your mother gave you, the name they gave you in Jerusalem, that God, Jehovah God is your judge, your name is changed. Now you are Belteshazzar. You know what Belteshazzar means? It means Baal is my judge. The false prophet Baal, the false god Baal, my judge. We change your name. And all three of those Hebrew, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those are the Babylonian names, but that's how we know them. They, they all had Hebrew names that all referred to God, and they, and they changed all three of their names and gave them a, a pagan God. It was a method to their madness. But the boys didn't complain when they changed their names, okay? Daniel, you said, call me what you want to call me. Look, a Christian, a good Christian is not somebody that stands up and, cut and figures out what to cuss in this culture. You would think they would buck the system when they wanted to change their name. But they didn't. Call me what you want to call me. And you read Dan, the book of Daniel. Daniel writes it. And sometimes he calls himself Belteshazzar. Sometimes he calls himself Daniel. You know, there's a verse in, that we learned in, when I was a child that uh, it's Proverbs. I wrote it down. Yeah, Proverbs 20.11. You know Proverbs 20.11? In the King James, it says, even a child is known by his doing. Even even a child, even a child's reputation is based on how they act. And you see, Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't complain when they changed their names because they knew that your, what you are is not your name. It is how you live your life. And some people I know claim the name of Christian but that's not how they live their life. And you can call yourself anything you want to call yourself. You can name yourself anything you want to name yourself. You can get up and loudly say, I'm a Christian, but how do you live your life? It is not what you do on Sunday morning at 11 o'clock that counts. It's what you do 24-7, 365 that counts. And if you're a Christian, then live like a Christian and act like a Christian. And that, is, that has had such a powerful impact on me personally. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, every day of my life lately, I have prayed, God, help me to live like a Christian. Help me to be a Christian. I want to be a Christian, God. I want to be a Christian. Our job, listen, our job is not to come over here in Babylon and cuss them. Our job is not to always cuss Babylon. Our job is to try to change Babylon through the power of the Holy Spirit of the living God. Daniel, they didn't go in there and tell Nebuchadnezzar how low down sorry it was. We ain't doing that. We're godly people. See, the problem is we think we're godly and the world thinks we're sanctimonious and self-righteous and they don't want to listen to what we have to say. So you got to pray for a little wisdom when you live in Babylon. If you want to challenge and change Babylon. They went along with the education. They went along with their name change. But they drew the line at their lifestyle. They said, look, we're from Jerusalem. Our citizenship is in Jerusalem. But now we're over here in Babylon. 
And if you want to you wanna change our names, we'll take a Babylonian name. You want us to go to school, we'll learn all the Babylonian stuff. But then they said, now we want you to act like Babylon and live like Babylon. And they said, I'm sorry, we can't do that. And the problem over here in Babylon is they hear all the chin music and all the, the talk over here in Jerusalem about how bad it is over in Babylon. And they, and they come over here to they come over here to Jerusalem and they hear us talking about, well, you know, they're immoral over there. And they come over here to Jerusalem and they find out we're committing adultery left and right in the stinking church of Jesus Christ. We lie, we cheat, we steal, we hate each other, we don't speak to each other, we don't talk to each other, we're bitter toward each other, we we commit adultery, we commit immorality. We do it all over here in Jerusalem. And then we want to talk a good talk. And that's why they hate us. That's why they don't think they need what we have. And that's why we're losing, that's why we're losing our children. That's why we're losing our children from over here. Because what you say, mama, and how you live are two stinking different things, and your kids are not stupid. They know that. So they go over here to, to Babylon. You want us to go to school? We'll learn it. You want us to, what, evolution, we'll, we'll put the right answers down. That's why parents, you're supposed to train and teach your children so that no matter where they go and what they do, they're going to know right from wrong through the power of the Holy Spirit of God. You know who's supposed to educate your children? You are. You are, mom and daddy. Wherever you send them to school, I don't care if you send them to Burlington Christian Academy, it's not Burlington Christian Academy's job to educate your children. It's your job. You send them to the public schools, it's not the public school's job to educate your children. It's your job. And you give them the right education, mom and daddy, and they learn it every day by what you say and what you do. And you're educating them whether you like it or not, whether you believe it or not, whether you think it or not, you are educating them. And what they need is some people to act like Christians over here in Jerusalem. We live in Jerusalem. We, we would be offended if they said we weren't Christians, but we need to start living like Christians. That's how you change Babylon. Come over here to Babylon and live like in Jerusalem. That's what they did. You read it. They changed my name. Give me a book. I'll read it. Give me a test. I'll give you the right answers. Kids, Whatever, it's fine. But listen, young people, be sure you know better. Let me tell you something, young people. That there is nothing to prove evolution is true. It is a theory of evolution. And you gotta have a lot of faith to believe in evolution. I wanna tell you, young people, and I'm talking to you again, no matter what they tell you, no matter how smart they say they are, God created this earth. God is the creator. God breathed the breath of life in you. And God one day is going to judge you. You better serve God. You better honor God, young people. No matter what they tell you, no matter what the movies say, no matter what the records say, no matter what the TV says, no matter what the teachers say, young people, you better know that you know God because he's going to judge you one day. And a million years from now, you're going to be in heaven or hell depending on what you do with God. Young people, I'm talking to you. And I'm talking to you parents to wake up. You live in Babylon. And don't act like an idiot in Babylon, act like a Christian in Babylon. We fundamentalists, we're, we're known for what we don't like. Be known for how you love people. 
Be known for how you take a stand. Speak the truth in love. People never care how much you know until they know how much you care. And if you want people to, to listen to what you know, then let them know that you care about them. And quit looking down on them. Quit you. The problem with Baptist churches is we think people in the world are supposed to act like they live in Jerusalem. Give me a break. In the church, we don't even act like it. We have a double standard. And that's what's killing the witness of Jesus Christ in this culture. Live like a Christian. Quit talking about it so stinking much and just live it. You know what? If you'd live it, you wouldn't have to say so much. Let them see Jesus in you. Let's act like Christians. And let's just start in the church. No, don't worry about doing that in the world. Let's just start in the church. Act, treat each other in the church like Christians. You got something against somebody? Why don't you go to a brother and sister in Christ? Why don't you say, you know something? There's been something between us for a long time, and maybe we don't even know what it is, but I want you to know I love you, and you're a Christian, and I'm sorry. Have you ever done that? Have you ever humbled yourself? That's what a Christian does. I want to be, I want to act like a Christian. I've asked God to help me to quit being such a smart mouth, smart aleck, and be a Christian. And Lord knows that it's so hard for me. And you know what? We might win the battle, but we lose the war. They want to change their loyalty. You know what, mom and dad, your kids, and my grandkids are going to be loyal to somebody. They're going to be loyal. To, they're going to be good citizens of one or the other. And prayer is the greatest weapon we have. That's why I teach my, the young couples class. They got those babies, and I want to help them. I want to help them not make the mistakes that some of us made raising our kids. And then... I'm through. I'm not through, but I'm quitting. Verse 8, but Daniel purposed in his heart he wouldn't defile himself. Daniel said, they can give me new clothes. They can shave my head. They can pierce my ear, which they did all those things. They can shave my head. They can pierce my ear. They can send me to school. And I'm not going to live like they do. I am not going to live like they live. And Daniel made an appeal. He didn't cuss him. He said, excuse me, let me offer an alternative here. But Daniel purposed in his heart. And Daniel purposed in his heart. He didn't know they'd kill him or kiss him. But he did it anyway. And young people, there's going to come a time. Listen to me, young people. Young people, I'm talking to you. There's going to come a time in your life, and you better do it while you're young, that you got to draw the line and make a decision. Are you going to serve God? Or are you going to serve the devil? Are you going to serve God? Or are you going to serve this culture? Young people, are you going to live in Babylon and act like the Babylonians and cuss like the Babylonians and have sex like the Babylonians and do drugs like the Babylonians? Or are you going to live over in Jerusalem and stand tall for Jesus Christ? Are you going to purpose in your heart, young people, that you're not going to defile yourself with the way Babylon lives? God is crying and dying for young people to stand up and say, I will serve God. God has put us here for such a time as this, and we live in Babylon. But we don't have to be a part of Babylon. We can rise above it through the power of the Holy Spirit, with a godly attitude, with a sweet spirit, to speak the truth and love to this generation. We have been called. 
We, there is a great work yet to be done, and we have a purpose and a plan, and the greatest days are yet ahead. I want to reach your children. I want to reach your grandchildren and my grandchildren, and there are people outside the walls of this church that we have not even yet met yet that God wants us to influence so they can raise their children and grandchildren in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. God has called us. God has ordained us. God has empowered us. God has strengthened us, and God will supply us. Do you not believe the best days are yet ahead if we will honor the God of gods, the King of kings, the Lord of lords? Now, if you believe your preachers told you the truth from the word of God, say amen. Then what are we gonna do about it? God help us to be faithful to him who called us to be soldiers. Isn't it amazing that a book written 2,000 years ago could be so relevant to what's going on today? So what are you going to do with it? The same God that was with Daniel and his friends in Babylon then is with us now. Take a stand for Christ. We'll see you again next week.